Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Amen. I love how Pastor Andrew got caught up in that song, See the Cross, the Empty Grave. The evidence is endless. And here's the thing that we have to realize. Too often we get stuck just on the cross because it's not just about the cross, amen? amen? Because when we think about the cross, we think about our sin, our shame, how Jesus wipes it away, that's why Jesus is not on that cross, but it's in the empty grave that the Spirit of God became alive to us, amen? It didn't stop at the cross. It began at the cross, and it was finished at the empty tomb. And it's because of that that we gather on Sunday mornings that we invite the Spirit of God to be here to motivate us, to move us, to change us, to transform us. I love that even in the midst of a pandemic that our church does not stop. Amen? Right? I didn't even know they were serving at the Suffering Food Kitchen. How awesome is that? Praise God. Right? We are an Acts 1-8 church. We are a church on the move. And so in that... It's why we come today as we wrap up Colossians, Colossians chapter 4, to talk about being commissioned for the mission. And there's so much that we've learned from Colossians, so much good theology, but, but with theology comes good orthopraxy, learning to live out your theology. And the last thing that Paul talks about in Colossians is being commissioned for the mission. And plant family. As Paul co commissioned the church of Colossae to continue to be gospel presence, no matter what's happening in our world right now, no matter what's happening in the present, we are commissioned for the mission of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for a completely different introduction. Thank you that you are up to something in our church. And God, I will take the word that you, were, that you had given me during our, our prayer as a band and as a sound team, that we've been priming the pump for years. It's time that we as a church go to that next place you are taking us. It's time. And so, Holy Spirit, as we look at this passage of Scripture right now, God, I pray for a fresh, fresh motivation a fresh motivation, a fresh motivation of your spirit. And God, I pray for a movement, not only right now, but a movement at the next service, a movement up in West Milford, and a movement what you want to do online. Holy Spirit, we did not start this church just to gather and stay still. We started this church, we planted this church, we were commissioned as a church that we would gather to scatter throughout Bergen, Passaic County. And so God, I ask you, because we came to the cross, your spirit has filled us and you are no longer in the grave. 
I ask you for a fresh movement of your spirit through this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. I got to say this. I have had a blast preaching Colossians. There is so much in Colossians, such good, great theology, the supremacy of Christ, our identity as children of God. How do we practically live this out with one another? It's one of those books I call it the book of one-liners. Every time a preacher preaches, he at least takes one passage out of Colossians, like nine out of ten sermons. There's just so much riches here. But as we look at this now, Paul is going to do something that we as a church need to hold on to. What we oftentimes is that there are books in the epistles that when Paul was preaching to the church, he was so excited for what they were doing. When you look at uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul was reprimanding the church. Did you know that? And I think sometimes we get caught up in the Corinthians and being reprimanded by God. Yes, there are times that we need to be reprimanded. Amen? Sometimes we need a good spiritual spanking. Anyone ever need a good spiritual spanking? Right? But, but we as Christians, we get caught there. It's almost like just getting caught at the, gra- at, the, at, the, at the cross. My sin, my sin, my sin, my sin. It's more than that. It's about the power of the resurrection. It's about the spirit of God moving through a congregation and making transformation in the community. And you look at Ephesians. And you look at, and you look at Colossians. And Paul is just cheering these churches on. He's saying, you get it even in the midst of cultural chaos. And plant family, this is what I've loved about being your pastor. Even in the midst of cultural chaos, you get it. Or at least you're you're learning to lean into getting it. Amen? And this is how he ends this whole section. We're going to just break this down into three different movements. He begins by saying, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Now, look at this passage. If you were to read the original Greek and you, and you read, devote yourselves to prayer, Paul would have written this in the way that it's written in Greek. It was either italicized or emboldened. It would have been big and loud. And Paul is saying, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, if you're holding a physical Bible, you can flip to the beginning of Colossians, and the whole first chapter, all he's talking about is how he was praying for the church of Colossae, a church he never, ever visited, but all he heard of about all the amazing things that were happening through this church. People were coming to Christ. Movement was happening. And Paul hears about all that's going on and some of the, the attacks that were happening against this church. And the first thing that Paul does in Colossians 1 is he says, I'm praying for you. I'm celebrating with God. That God is on the move through his spirit because of the work of Christ in your life. And so he says, keep on praying. Devote yourself to prayer. Prayer, the primary work of God's people. It's our number one core value as a denomination, as a church. I mean, think about the word devote. 
what does it mean to devote yourself to something? It means give yourself to it. Do it over and over again. Be consistent. Be consistent. I love what Doug Moon says in his commentary. He says, prayer needs to be a regular feature of your life. Prayer needs to be a regular feature of your life. And Paul says in one of his other epistles, he says, pray without ceasing. In other words, never stop praying. People of God, Why is it that when we come into a place of conflict, we stop communicating with God? When all Paul says, just like the people of old, that when the harder things get, the more we start praying harder. Did you hear me? The harder things get, the more we start praying harder. We lean in. We dive in. Because this is what we learn. And we learn this from Paul's next thing that he said. You see, Paul says this in this little section right here. He says, this is what I want you to pray for. Go back. (laughs) This is what I want you to pray for. You see, when you think about where Paul was right now, he was in prison. He was thrown in prison for the work of the gospel. If you were thrown in prison, what would you be begging God to do? Get me out. I'm sick of bread and water. Remember those old movies when you were thrown in prison, you always drank, bread, drank water and only ate bread, right? I want something more. I want out. I want out. But think about our theology, our westernized theology. We think that when bad things are happening to us or our family or our places of vocation or to our children in the school systems, that God is against them, that God is not for them. And Paul says the complete opposite. Maybe, just maybe, that you are being under attack. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let's talk about the supernatural. Maybe you are being spiritually under attack because God is up to his best work now. And Satan is going to do everything in his power to stop you and slow you down and derail you. And you know what Paul says? Paul says, my only prayer request, it's not to get out of jail. My prayer request is no matter what situation I am in, all I want to do is be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. People of God, is it possible that it seems like our culture and our worlds and our circumstances feel like they're on the brink of disaster because maybe God is up to his best work yet. You see, that is good theology. Good theology. Look back in scripture. Look about the Israelites. Look about when they were being, what all that Pharaoh had done. And every time God rescued them, it seemed like it got worse and worse and worse. But every time it felt like it was getting worse, you know what God was up to? About to do his best work. God, you brought us to the seas. How are we going to escape? Great. God's going to do his best work, and he's going to part the seas. And so what Paul does, he says, here's my only request. One, I want you to start praying like you've never prayed before. Pray like you've never prayed before. But two, here's my only request. 
pray that the gospel continues to move forward. How are you praying? What are you praying? To be commissioned for the mission of God means that the primary work that we are called to to pray like we've never prayed before. Here's my question. or egocentric? Are your prayers gospel-centered for the movement of the kingdom of God, or are they, or are they egocentric? How do you pray? Why do you pray? When do you pray? Because prayer is the primary role for gospel movement. But then he says this in verse five through seven. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. Look at this passage and take a little soul inventory. How have you lived over the last year and a half? Have you lived wisely among those who are not believers? Have you made the most of every opportunity? Have you allowed your conversations to be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone? You know what Paul is saying? He's saying in the midst of the present, we must be present. In the midst of our present situations, we must be present. We always talk about being a missional church. Being a missional church means that we are present in the communities that God has called us to live. And I really think being missional is a two-sided coin. First, it's about learning to live wisely in the places that God has called us. Every vocation that you have, if you are a student where God has put you in school, no matter what you do with your free time, God has given you the ability to do everything that you do and have done for one purpose and one purpose only, to be present. How have you done it? We talk about Kairos moments, these divine encounters that we read all throughout Scripture, that we see all throughout Scripture, where God had positioned people to be present for others, to have the ability to be present with the gospel. How are you living? Are you present? Do you go into work every single day? Do you go to school every single day? Do you go into your neighborhoods every single day? Do you go into your coffee shops every single day? Do you wake up and say, God, today I will be present with the hope and the opportunity to share something different about my life compared to others. 
I want to ask you that hard question. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about algorithms. And I said, let me tell you what you talk about, think about, spend your most money on. Give me your phone and I'll show you what you do. And no one was like, no way. I think I had one volunteer. But think about your social media. What do you post about? How do you post? What do you get caught up in? Are you attractive? Are you emotionally attractive to others? Do people say, I want to lean into them? I want to be near them. I want to be present with them. I want to spend time with them. And I'm not just talking about people in your Bible studies, your missional communities, your small groups. I mean your neighbors. I mean the people in your work that when you walk to the water fountain or whatever it is, during COVID, we have these things. Do people avoid you or do they come running towards you? I love one of my favorite statements was, I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. Paul's saying, let your actions be motivated in such a way that people are drawn to you. But it, doesn't, it just doesn't stop there. He says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You see, people are like, well, I just let my, I let my life just kind of tell my gospel story. Great. There's a lot of good people out there. Amen? There's a lot of good people out there. Amen? My one, my one friend's mom, who is not a follower of Christ, acts more like Jesus than most Christians I know. Oh, no, he didn't. Yes, I did. She has loved me like a son and like a friend, his, his, her son's friend, like I've never seen anyone love before. And yet, she is antagonistic towards the gospel. And people say, well, let, me, let my actions speak louder than my words. Our actions draw people in so that in our conversations, we get to share the hope that we possess. It's almost like we want people to kind of like read between the lines. Like, we'll like say something and we'll nod. Or we'll wink. And Paul says, No. God is positioning you to have kingdom gospel conversations in a way that invites people to respond to the gospel themselves. I just want to read something that I was processing during this message. Our speech should be filled with grace and with holy civility so that God opens conversations to share who Christ is. Want me to say that again? I want to say it again. <laughs> Our speech should be filled with grace and with holy civility, so that God opens conversations to share who Christ is. I did a funeral this summer, and every time I bring it up, I get very emotional. This funeral messed me up. I mean, it really messed with my soul. I had to bury someone who I grew up with, and I was put in a very interesting 
situation. But in that situation, Omar had come up to Vermont with me to do the funeral. And after the funeral, God opened up two and a half hours of gospel conversations. Two and a half hours of gospel conversations. Came back to New Jersey, and a month later, we did another memorial for this young man. He was a young man who passed away. And, and it's always hard when anyone passes, of course. But when someone young passes, it, it just doesn't sit right with us. And so one of my buddies from high school, he and I got reunited. I've reached out to this guy time and time again, but all of a sudden, now he wanted to go to lunch with me. Me and my buddy Larry have been going to lunch since the funeral. And yes, we have very strong different views on a lot of different things. And so we were at Raymond's, one of the best restaurants in the world that's in Ridgewood, New Jersey, little plug. Just don't go at night, their breakfast is better. And we were there and he says, so tell me, do you really believe Jesus is the only way? Like, I know my dad's one of those guys, but, but do you really believe that Jesus is the only way? I said, yes. He's the only way. He is the only way. He's like, wow. I don't really know what to do with that, but, but wow. When you love people, and you are gracious to people, you are super spiritually attractive to people. And God opens the doors to share the truths that you hold on to. You know what Larry said to me after that, after that lunch? I'm like, this is the last lunch we're getting together <laughs> on his end. He's like, hey, can we do it again? Can we do it again? And so I called my buddy of the brother of the young man who died. I said, man, I think we need to just start being more honest with people. He's like, well, I, I love that about you, Rob. You're honest with everybody. You're almost too honest, right? That's my wife always tells me. I'm too honest. And, and he says, you know, I'm, I'm in a situation that, that I feel like I can't be honest with anybody. I just kind of go along for the ride. And I got off that phone and said, people need honesty. People long for truth. People want to know what the church believes. People want to know what you believe as a follower of Christ. And Paul is saying, in your prayer time, God is going to position you to be present. So as you are coaching and working and living and being and, and living in your neighborhood, God's going to open up opportunities for you to share your hope that you possess whether I'm a pastor or not, the greatest hope that I possess is eternity. Amen? Even though it's 9 o'clock, you can say amen. Amen? The greatest hope we possess is eternity. Yes, I am blessed with an amazing smoking hot wife. Amen. Yes, I am blessed with amazing children. Yes, I am blessed with the opportunity. But the greatest blessing that I have is that I get to hold eternity. I get to hold eternity. And so Paul commissions the church to be present. We do this by making ourselves available. Available. In our availability, God opens opportunity in our conversations with others. Don't say you don't have opportunities. You don't make them. That's your spiritual spanking. 
Don't say you don't have them. The problem is we don't make them. He goes on to say this, and all these names drive me nuts. I practice these in my office, by the way. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I'm, get, how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Now watch all of these names. There's a reason I'm going to read all of these names, and I'm going to probably get a lot of them wrong, but that's okay. I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristocart, who is in person with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my coworkers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters, men and women church at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you've read this letter, pass it on to the church of Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greetings in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. The first thing Paul said to be commissioned for the mission is pray. That's the most important thing that you need to be doing, being on team plant. Amen? The next thing to be commissioned for the mission is to be present being part of team plants. Amen? But the third thing, and that I love what Paul does, is he goes through this massive list of people. And it's really interesting when you study this, how he first talks about his Jewish brothers who have partnered with him, because at this time there was some contention between Judaism and Christianity. It was one of the things that Paul really attacks in the book of Colossians. But then what he does is he starts naming all these other people. He starts naming men and women. And what he's saying is, is that what God is doing in your church, I am sending others to partner with you. Because what God has been priming in your church is going to come to fruition. Plant family. God is wanting us to partner together so that the kingdom of God comes to fruition not only here, not only in West Milford, but every other place that God will plant us. Amen? And what I love about this list is that it's a list 
of diversity. It's men, it's women, different ethnicities coming from different economical and social backgrounds. If you've ever noticed at our church, from day one, our plant staff has always been ethnically diverse. Have you noticed that? That is not by chance, that was deliberate. We want diversity in our church because the kingdom of God is made up of, a di of diversity. And so we need to, together, partner with one another for kingdom movement. God desires to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things in their everyday life. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in their everyday life. You know what I love what Lily said? She says, I'm not going to jump on and, and rescue people in fires, but I found a way to help out in another manner. Plant family, you are released. You are released to do kingdom work in your communities. Are you partnering with people? But what I also love about this, and I'm going to wrap this up because we're going to do communion. I feel like I'm speaking really fast today. Is that Paul brings up someone who he had conflict with. He brought up Mark. John Mark. The cousin of Barnabas. And if you study the very beginning of Paul's ministry with Barnabas... Barnabas and Paul took young Mark with them on a missionary journey, and there was conflict, and Paul said to Barnabas, let's get rid of this dude. And Barnabas says, I'm going to get rid of you because I see kingdom potential in Mark, so you go your own way, as quoted by Fleetwood Mac, and we'll go our way, and the kingdom will spread. And so Barnabas takes Mark, and Paul goes his way. But people of God, the gospel is about forgiveness and grace and mercy and second chances. And all of a sudden you see Paul and Mark have redemption in their relationship and now they are repartnering again for kingdom movements. Is there someone in your life that God needs you to reconcile with? Is there someone in your life a fellow brother or sister in Christ that you have been in conflict with that God is saying, it's over. It's time to move past it. It's time to love them where they're at. It's time that not only you experience forgiveness, but you grant forgiveness to someone else. And so Paul commissioned others to partner with this young church. We've done a lot of work inviting people to partner with us. I think the most important thing we need to do now is partner with one another for whatever God has next. And so, how do we conclude this? First, we need to start praying like never before. Prayer is your primary work. Here's my challenge. Your first car ride for the day this week, you need to be praying for the work of the gospel in this area. Your first car ride of the day for the next seven days, including leaving the church because we're sending you into the mission field, you need to be praying about gospel movement in 
our areas. Second, I want to challenge you every single day to wake up for seven days and say, God, I'm present physically and in conversations. And then third, get connected. Get connected not just to serve, but to partner with others for the kingdom of God to explode in Bergen-Passaic County because the kingdom of God is going to explode with or without us. And I want to be part of the explosion. Anyone else? Sort of, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. But here's the other thing that we learned from Paul. And everyone take out their communion cups. What a beautiful transition. And this is not me. This is what the Spirit's saying. Hardships will come. Hardships will come. The cross, the grave. The cross was not easy. The cross came with suffering. The grave, something had to be put to death. Plant family, as you are going through hardship, as you are going through difficulties, as you are going through loss, do not look at it as God's punishment or wrath upon you. But look at it this way. God is up to his best and the enemy is only trying to derail you and slow you down. Yes, hardship is part of this life. Hardship is the penalty of sin. But remember what God does? He takes evil and he turns it on its face. And he says, in your hardship, you will experience holiness. Because the complete holiness of God was found in the death and resurrection of Christ. Amen? And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he ate it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. He suffered, so we don't have to eternally suffer. He said, eat it. And then he took the cup of wine. Don't you love how we spiritualize things, grape juice? No, he took wine. <laughs> he took wine. Wine was medicinal. So this is the cup of the new covenant. Because of the new covenant, you have eternal life. Eternal life. Because of the new covenant, the Spirit of God lives and breathes and moves in you. He didn't stop at his broken body. He concluded with a new covenant. And he said, drink this together. As we go into this song of worship, I will declare this. There have been seasons in our country people said we needed a move of God more than ever. I think right now more than ever we need to see a move of God ever than we've ever, ever seen in American history. 
Do you know right now, there are more missionaries being sent to America than any other country on this earth? Isn't that crazy? We were the sending nation. We were the sending nation. Plant family, you are commissioned for the mission that God has called us to. And whether you say yes or no, God's going to do it. So here's my ask. Give God your yes. Give God your yes. Stand and worship. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.